Before I share God's word with you, I have a friend uh, here today uh, with his family, and I'm excited to have uh, Pastor Troy and then Dana and Tyler come in to visit us. I would like to invite him to say a few words with us. Would you please? Thank you. I have known Pastor Neil for a few years, and you are truly blessed to have him as a pastor, it seems to me. It's been, I've been blessed to know him. Um, first mistake he made, though, was inviting me to come up here and talk and say that I had more than 30 seconds. <laughs> a couple of things that I would love to say to you as an encouragement to you. First of all, I love the name of this gathering of God's people, Covenant Family Chapel. I don't know if you spent much time focusing on what each of those words is all about and how it ties to the gospel. But covenant, we have a covenant-making God going all the way back to Adam and Eve, reaffirmed with Noah and Abraham and David, and of course, finally, in the person of Jesus Christ. That covenant goes back with Adam and Eve when God said he would, through the seed of the woman, send Jesus Christ to save us all. Who here besides me is a sinner saved and washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ? Amen. And then family, those who abide by the covenant, who are washed clean by the blood of Christ, are family, part of God's family, co-heirs with Christ, sons of the king, kings and queens ourselves in a sense. We should embrace that. And we do when we come together in this chapel, chapel, a place where people gather for religious services, for worship, for prayer, for fellowship. We have a covenant-making God, a covenant that makes us all a family. We come together to meet in a place as a family, honoring that covenant-making God in a place such as this that is a chapel. It is a beautiful name. I hope that you really appreciate the name that God has given you for this congregation. And the last thing, I can't help it, I was inspired by the passage that was shared earlier, and I want to drive home a point. In Isaiah 43, beginning with verse 8, what's going on here? is God is telling us that he is being put on trial by the naysayers, those who are outside the covenant, challenging his authority. And God is saying in this passage that he's not even going to bother to show up for court because he's going to trust in his witnesses. Who are his witnesses? We are his witnesses. Let me read this with the tone that will help to drive that point home. Lead out those who have eyes but are blind, the Lord says, who have ears but are deaf, the Lord says. All the nations gather together and the people assemble. There's some sarcasm going on here. Which of them foretold this and proclaimed to us these former things? The point is none of them could proclaim in advance what was going to happen. Only God knows the future. So then God says, let them bring their witnesses to prove that they were right so that others may hear and say it is true as if they could. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. God has entrusted his family, those with whom he has made a covenant to be witnesses to the world, to share the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, our King, Lord, and Savior. I fear that we don't take that responsibility as seriously as we might most of the time. So I'm here to encourage you and charge you with being obedient, to being good, faithful witnesses. We live in a lost world in need of hearing the truth. It's more than just an exuberant experience. It's more than just fellowship with other believers. It's knowing rock solid down in the core of your soul that you are a child of the Most High. And no one can take that away from you. I wanted to bring my wife up real quick, Dina, because she, uh, the, the mission that's going on speaks to us and our family in a particular way. Good morning. How are you? Thank you for welcoming us to the family. <laughs> um, as you can see, we have our son, Tyler. He has autism. And he's not demonic. <laughs> I can tell you personally that the Lord has used him to speak to us. The Lord has used him to perform miraculous. He was born in liver failure and heart failure, and God did a work. We were able to actually minister and share the gospel with a Muslim doctor who, who hardened his heart, but the Lord still spoke truth to him. 
And when he was miraculously healed, this doctor turned to me and said, who do you pray to? And I said, I pray to Jesus. And he said, your Jesus healed your son. So we know, we trust that God is not done with our son, Tyler, and that he will perform the miraculous as witness to what he is, who he is, who he was, and who he continues to be, which is God above all. So praise him. Thank you. Amen. All right, guys, can you switch to that for me? All right, praise the Lord. You ready for the word of God today? All right, so show me your pretty 32s, your 20s, your 2s, whatever you have left in there. Turn to somebody sitting next to you and say hi to them before we share God's word together. Amen. Just so you know, I think it was on July 4th. Uh, I remember the year when we met at the uh, Baker's Park. And um, I gave him my CD, and he helped me get on the radio. Uh, and um, ever since, we've, we've had time together. And I'm grateful to the Lord. Amen? All right. You ready for God's word? Shall we please bow our heads and pray? Father, we are thankful to you today as we open the pages of scripture we ask the lord you will speak to us you will unfold through to us lord we do not only seek information but we seek inspiration and above all we pray that you give us the fortitude to obey your word to live with that word to do what you want us to do and to bring us to a place where we will understand clearly that we have been made for a reason in jesus name we pray and everybody said amen all right, turn with me to the book of Jude. All right, Jude is only one chapter. We'll look at verse 23. Today, I will end our series on the subject, saving people from going to hell. Um, like it said, it's not a very popular thing to talk about, but I only teach what God gives me, not what is popular. Is that okay? All right, are you in Jude 23? doesn't mean the 23rd chapter. It simply means the 23rd verse. All right, Jude 23. Um, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, even hating the garment defiled by the flesh. God says that we ought to save other people with fear. Everybody say this up to me. I will save men. I will save women. I will save children. I will save this generation out of the fires of hell. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God says we ought to do it. It is our responsibility. If you read the Amplified Version, it says, Strive, do everything you can to pull them out of the fire. But he says, Show mercy mixed with fear. Amen. All right, so in our first lesson, let's do a little bit of review. We did talk about the need for us to save people. Why? Because of the impending danger of the fires of hell. Now, today we don't talk about it, but it is true. One day this world will be over, and God is going to judge men. Because of judgment, because of the fires of hell, we ought to do our work by snatching people out of that fire. Would you say amen? In our second lesson, we began to talk about the fact that where do we start from? How do we start about going to doing these things? And we said, never start by telling people what you know. You must always start from where they are. We saw the, from the example of Philip, the Bible says when he came close to the Ethiopian Enoch, he began at the same scripture that he was reading. He didn't tell him what he knew. He began from what, and there are many people who have already invited you into their chariots, and God wants you to do something about their lives. They told you about their marriage, that is the chariot. They began to tell you about the difficulties they are having Utilize that opportunity, begin at the same story or whatever they shared with you, and help them and bring them out of the work of darkness. Would you say amen? In the third lesson, we said that when you begin to share with people, sometimes there are people who are going to argue with you. There are many people who have debates. They will tell you this is what we believe, this is what we don't believe. Now, if that happens, chances are you'll be thrown off course and you'll not be able to share 
God's word with him. So I began to show you, after many years of experience, I have understood that when you find things of this nature, you must tell your personal story. How the Jesus saved you. And throughout that lesson, I showed you how you can what? Put your personal story together. So let's recap it. We said we have to talk about the past, what we used to be, how we came to meet Jesus, and what has happened thereafter. You still remember that? All right. And then last week, we looked at our fourth lesson, and we said if we are going to be able to help these people, we must learn how to relate to the unbelieving person the right way. How are we going to do that? Two things, your behavior and your speech. All right. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6 says you must learn to behave wisely. All right. Then secondly, he says you must learn to speak with grace and then also season us with what? Salt. We understood that speaking uh, with grace simply means that you must say things at the right time. Don't just say it because you know it is true. But it has to be said at the what? right time. And then whatever you say must also be needful. We established that if you talk about um, uh, uh, your speech is seasoned with salt, we explained that salt can be used for many things. But the contest has already defined what, what it is. He said it has to be seasoned, preservation. In other words, you must speak to preserve truth. Do not give in to all the things that are going on today because in the name of tolerance, you might end up doing the wrong thing. Always speak to preserve truth, but just speak in love, in grace. Are you with me today? Uh, today is our final lesson, and I want to share with you on the subject that if we're going to be able to save the dying well and bring them out of the fires of hell, we must learn to carry out our mission and our ministry. You must learn to do what? Carry out. Now, I need you to mention those first two words, carry out. Now, if you went to um, Domino's Pizza or whichever pizza place that you go, and then they ask you delivery or what do you normally say? Carry out. Oh, so are you that cheap that you don't want to give nobody a tip so it always has to be carry out? I see if I'm aiming different. I do that too. <laughs> All right. So we, we always decide it's carry out for us, right? But I'm sure some of you do deliveries, right? All right. What? Too long. So you want to go there and then carry it out. Okay. Now, I throw that in just to remind you that's not the kind of carry out that we're doing today. Right? We are not carrying out a pizza, but we are carrying out our mission and our ministry. Two things. Mission and what? Ministry. All right. Now, the first point, for those of you who are following me through the teaching sheets, um, the first thing that I want you to understand today is that you were saved for a mission. And ministry, you are saved for those two things. God saved you to accomplish two things, mission and what? Ministry. All right? Now, turn with me to the book of Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 24, and I'll read from the Living Bible. But life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about God's mighty kindness and love. The scripture says that life is worth what? Nothing. Life is worth nothing unless you use it for the work that God has assigned to you. In fact, it was the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, and I think in verse 11, it says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. Do you understand that scripture? He has put a sense of longing into human heart that Men will continue to search for God. It doesn't matter how many people deny him. But there is a longing on the inside of them that make them seek for something higher than outside of themselves. Are, are you with me today? And the scripture says the only way life becomes meaningful is so that you will use your life to accomplish the very thing, the mission and the ministry that God has put on your life. You were saved for that. You have been assigned to do a certain work. And today, I pray that you will understand it, and then when you live here, you will begin to carry that out. Amen and amen. Your mission is what you do for unbelievers, and your ministry is what you do for believers. I'm just trying to make it very simple for you. Any service that you render to the outside world, those who have not received Jesus, 
that is your mission, all right? Then the ministry is simply what you do for your fellow believer, the one who sits next to you. Any service you render, encouragement that you want to help the average believer who you go to church with, it is a ministry. Understand it. Your ministry is unique to you. But mission is common to all of us. Are you with me today? All right? Your ministry is what? Unique. Now, I, am, I have the ministry of a teacher, but I still have the responsibility of reaching out to the world and bring them to the Lord. That is a mission. I cannot only dwell with my ministry and forget that mission. Are you with me today? Maybe you are gifted with a gift of prophecy. That is a ministry to the body of Christ. But you must understand you still have a mission to the outside world. I need you to get that straight because coming to church and going home and thinking you are helping other believers does not fulfill your entire uh, uh, purpose for existence. You must understand it has to be mission and uh, the order is important. It is mission first by which we bring them to faith in Christ Jesus and then we minister to them. That's ministry. Are you with me today? So you must understand, when you go to your workplace, then you switch from ministry into missions. At the ball game, you switch from ministry into... When you come to church, you are switching from missions into ministry. You are here to help other people. You are here to encourage them. You are here to support them. But then when you get out there, you are on a mission. Go with me to the book of John chapter 17. Jesus makes a very profound statement. That brings meaning to what we are saying here. John 17. Look at verse 18. Reading from the Living Bible. John chapter 17, verse 18. As you have sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He is speaking to the Father. And then he says, as you have sent me. In other words, he was saying, God the Father sent him into the world. All right? And the same way he sent him into the world, he is also sending us into the world. Are you with me? Right. What I want you to notice is in the book of Luke chapter 4. All right? Luke chapter 4. And I want you to look at verse 43. Why was Jesus sent? Unfortunately, the church today misunderstands why Jesus was sent. Some people think he was sent because of Calvary. Calvary was only a means to an end. But that is not why he came. Come on, church people. Can we overcome that? All right. So let me surround myself with scriptures. Let's all read that scripture together, shall we, please? But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. Did you get that? Jesus did not say, I have been sent to preach born again. He said, I have been sent to present the kingdom of God. This is the purpose for which he was sent. So when you go back to the book of John, he says, the same way the Father has sent me, I am also sending you. Our mission is to declare that the kingdom of God is here and right now it is here. Would you say amen to that? Amen. Now, there are many who believe the kingdom of God is futuristic. Now, it is true, but not completely true. Jesus said in the book of Luke chapter, um, I think it's Matthew 12 and verse 28. He said, if I by the finger of God cast out devils, right, heal the sick. Those are my words, right? Raise the dead, do all those things, bring evidence about that kingdom. Then he says, then the kingdom of God is come. So the kingdom of God is ushered into the earth. When the king gets enthroned in your life and he begins to deal with the issues that you have. Don't put the kingdom of God in the future. For this purpose, you have been sent into the world. Did you get that? I have been sent into, when you meet people, don't give them religion. You must give them the kingdom of God. Now, religion is what will kill people. It frustrates. So you must present to them what Christ has given to you. He has given us what? The kingdom. Matthew 25, verse 34. He says, I want you to rejoice and prepare yourself because you are about to receive the kingdom 
which was given to you before the foundations of the world. Meaning before you were born, God decided you belong to his kingdom. And when we go out, we don't tell them about Christianity. Christianity is a religion. It frustrates. We only tell them about the kingdom of God. Your amen is weak. I said we tell them about their kingdom of You see, the, 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 the systems of this world are failing. There is terrorism everywhere. Human government is not doing it. But I hear the prophet Isaiah say, and there is about to be given a son. The government will be upon his shoulder. He is reminding us that he is a king. He brought a kingdom, and he wants you to go out there to the world and tell them the same way I have sent you, the same way the Father sent me, I am sending you. He has placed a government on you. And when you speak, you must speak that government. Quit walking around and making it sound like you are some peasant, because you are not. You are a child of the king. I said you are a child of the you are a child of the no, no, I, I, I want you to be a bit more responsive. You are a child of the And are you a king? Yes, you are. You see, let me show you. Most people were born in democracy, so we don't understand kingdom concept. Next year, I'll show you a little bit more. All right? Now, when a child of the king is in the original kingdom, what is his name? He's a prince or a princess. Do you agree? As soon as you ship them off from the original kingdom into a colony of the kingdom, he becomes a king. Heaven is the original kingdom. The earth is the colony of heaven. When God places you on planet earth, you do not become a prince. You all automatically assume the position of a king because once you are in the colony, you have a relationship with the original what? kingdom and when you meet people you must tell them about your king i think it's a good place to say amen right you must ask i have sent you god says he has sent us into the world amen and you must understand that you have a mission everybody say i have a mission i have a mission and what is the mission is to tell the world that the kingdom of god is here People don't want Christianity, but when they hear about the kingdom, they want it. This is why in Jesus' day, the people loved him, because he was not preaching anything else. Ah, I've seen in the face of the church people. Now, understand that the kingdom of God is real, because that's what Jesus was all about. How many of you remember Jesus' manifesto, John chapter 4, verse 17? He says, I must preach the kingdom of God. When he opened his mouth the first time, this is what he says. So repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Right? And I can take you through on and on. So I want you to understand your mission, that you are not going out there. Right? And the scripture says, and this gospel of the kingdom, the good news about the kingdom. The good news about what? The kingdom. So the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus is not the gospel. It is the means to the end. He has to use that so that he can sanctify the human spirit so that he can reintroduce the kingdom back to him. Are you with me today? People are sick and tired of Christianity, but they cannot be sick and tired of the king. Go tell them that the governments of this world are failing them, but there is a heavenly government. When it gets into your life, everything begins to change. I said everything begins to change. Present the kingdom of God to them. For this is why you have been sent. Amen. All right. So now let's, let's go on with where we are. What, what were we? We have been sent to warn unbelievers so that they can turn from their sins. We have been sent. You are on a mission to warn the unbelieving world so that they can turn away from their sin. Remember Jude 1.23 says, you must do it with fear. Save others with what? Fear. Show them mercy mixed with what? Fear. All right? But we have a responsibility. Ezekiel chapter 3. Ezekiel chapter 3. Are you learning anything today? Ezekiel chapter 3. That is why I always say I'm not a Christian. I'm a child of the king. 
You want to be a Christian, that's up to you. Christianity frustrates. I don't want it. I want the kingdom. Are you in Ezekiel 3? Ezekiel 3. Look at verse 18. If you refuse to warn the wicked when I want you to tell them, you are under the penalty of death. Therefore, repent and save your life. They will die in their sin, but I will punish you and I will demand your, your blood for theirs. Do I need to explain any more of that? God says, if you are looking the, at the unbelieving person and only saying, it's a shame, it's a shame, it's a shame. He says, I will require their blood from you. Therefore, you must treat this, your mission, with some sense of urgency. That you meet people and don't let them go. You have to find a way. Start from where they are and begin to tell them your story. How that Jesus changed you. How that Jesus transformed you. How that if they become part of that kingdom, then God. You see, any king is always measured by the success of his subjects. Most people, all you know is democracy because your success is not defined by President Obama's success. Is it? That's democracy. But whenever you get into a kingdom, because the Bible is a kingdom book, the success of that king, his glory, his honor, is measured by how good and how successful the, um, the subjects are. This is why God says, I take your success what, as a personal issue. That sometimes he says in the scripture, for my name's sake, I will rescue you. Why? Because it has to do with his honor. It's not dependent on you. And God is saying, if you don't, if you don't speak my word to these people and bring them to me, I will hold you personally responsible. Why? Because as a king, I don't want any of the, my subjects to be lost. Are you with me today? So God is saying, go and warn them, tell them the truth. Everybody say, tell them the truth. So how are we going to carry out our mission? How are we going to carry out our mission and our ministry? How are we going to warn them? Let me put it this way. We have to use every form of communication that exists today to do that. What are some of the forms of communication that exist today? Come on, talk to me. But that's all the, it's already on screen. Radio, uh-huh. TV, what else? Social media. All right. Now, today I want to just spend a few minutes and show you how to use one of these to carry out your mission. Are you with me? All right. Now, radio is expensive. Troy, give me a break, though. <laughs> right? TV is what? Expensive. And these two are not relational. Because sometimes the, some of the people you see on TV you have no relationship with. But I want to delve into social media. Because it is both personal and relational. And it's cheap. How many of you pay for using Facebook? Let me see your hands and I'll tell you there's something wrong. You don't pay for it. So that's cheap. I, I, I think you agree that zero dollars is cheap. Right? How many of you pay for using Twitter? You don't. How many of you pay for using WhatsApp and or Tumble and all the and Google and all those kind of other things that we use? So today I want to set a framework from the Word of God and begin to show you how we can use this modern tool to carry out our mission and our what ministry. Come on, please don't lose me. You, you, I hope you are still with me. We are still dealing with what ministry and what mission. All right. So how are we going to use that now? You must remember that the purpose of God is so that we can send his word and be a blessing to many. So let's do a little bit of definition. The word media simply means information or data. All right? Now, this is not extraordinary. You can find it anywhere. The word social simply means sending uh, some form of media or that information uh, from one person to another. Is that confusing? I think that's very simple, right? So social media simply means that you are sending information from one person, that is you, to another person. Basically, that's all it is. 
Then when we get into social media networking, it means now we are moving not only with one individual, but we are going beyond one individual, trying to touch many. Now, what I want you us to do, I'm going to tailor this right here to this ministry. When you go into your growth groups, I am asking you this week, if you look on the back of the program sheets, some of the questions I've put up for your discussion this week at growth groups is to help all of you as a group to adopt a social media platform that you are all going to belong to. And the purpose is not to post stuff you found from somewhere that you did not even vet. Did you get me? Yeah, sometimes you're on forums and people post all kinds of things. Don't post stuff just because you felt it felt good. In fact, one time somebody posted something, I looked at it, on the face it looked good, but scripturally it was dangerous. I did not respond to it online. So I called the person and then I said, did you post this? He said, yes. And I said, you think everything is okay with that? He said, yeah, pastor, I think so. I said, what makes you think so? And I said, how do you reconcile that with this scripture? And how do you reconcile that with that scripture? And how do you reconcile that with that scripture? And he said, oh, I didn't think it through. I said, anytime you want to post something, make sure the Holy Spirit is leading you. <laughs> Are you with me today? So I want every group to adopt one, all right? I would ask if you can, restrict it to uh, Facebook. And we will show you, we will show all the group leaders why we want to do that. Now, once you have that, it becomes a medium to do many things, all right? And I'll teach it. So social media can help us to do three things. It will help us to unite around a course. Secondly, it will help us to connect with other people that we don't even know. Here in our growth groups, we want to connect with people we already know, but then we want to go beyond it to affecting those that we don't want share the same physical space with, people we don't know. And the third thing we want to do is to help us send important messages. And what is that important message? Hmm? Somebody hit you, hit you, hit them back. Uh, funny videos about politicians. So start checking them off. They are not proud of them. All right? You must be cautious. We just understood. As I, you have sent me, so I am what? Sending you. And he's sending us to talk about the kingdom of God. So post links that would help people to understand the kingdom of God. Post my messages because I teach about the kingdom. And any other preacher who teaches about the kingdom that is real. Are you with me today? All right. Let's begin to have a focus. We as a ministry, we want to accomplish our mission. So we want to use media to do three things. To connect us with those we know and those we don't know. Those we know and those we don't know. What are some of the things we want to use it for? Tell your personal story. If you don't have a camera, come to church. We will record you. Because how you born again, get somebody born again and not my preaching. Are you with me? He said, people will argue with you, but nobody argues with your personal story. Now, if you want us to block your face, we will block your face. But the world must know your story. They must understand that once you used to be like that, but today... Jesus has transformed your life, and you are no more that. Are you with me today? So we're going to use it to tell our personal stories. Don't post other people's stories you don't understand. Your own. You are the witness. Jesus says, I have sent what? You. Raise your right hand and say this after me. I have been sent. So I will tell my story. The second thing we want to do by connecting is that we want to share our experience from growth groups. Share your experience. Now put it online. Tell people, because of this group of people that I am part of, sometimes I receive clear encouragement and things that blesses me. Why? Because it helps another person to understand that there is an importance to growth groups. Amen? 
it is not a place to just say, oh, may I hear pastor preach, and they're just going to sit there and talk about it. No, in the hour of difficulty, you have people who will stand with you, and they'll be able to fight with you. Would you say amen to that? Now, the third thing that I want you to see that it will do, it will help us to engage people in conversation. Sometimes there's error going around. All right? Now, if you just post it, somebody's going to react to it. It begins what? A conversation. And then we can go on and on, and then until we begin to bring scriptures in, and it will help us. What I want us to learn to do is to keep a community both in person and also online. Because the ones that are online, we can move beyond our immediate group and start touching others. Are you with me today? All right? The fourth thing that I want us to do uh, with that is that we will use it to invite people into growth group. There are some people that won't come to church straight, but they will be willing to go to your growth group. Use it to invite them because they, you already are friends with them on Facebook, right? Right? So send it to them and say, hey, my growth group is meeting today. What is it? It's just a, a, a small group that meets to discuss the word of God and we build relationships and we can help you out. But because you shared with me the story that X and Y and Z is going on and, I, and they can pray for you. That person will be willing to walk into that place. And who knows that after walking into the group meeting for so many times, he will end up becoming part of our ministry. Our focus is not bringing them here. Our focus is that we want to help them. Our mission and our what? Ministry. Are you with me? So the first thing is to help us to connect with those that we know and we don't know. The second thing is that it will help us to unite. Right? Unite around our mission and our ministry. Because there are many believers who are doing things that are not on purpose. Please look at my face. Let me ask all of you a question. What is it that drives design? All right, let me scale, let me scale my purpose. Right? What is it that drives design? Do you understand? If anybody's going to design anything, what is it that drives that design? It is the purpose they have in mind. Let me illustrate it this way. Now, if an automaker decides that they want to uh, make a car that can run through the rocks, right, and go on any form of terrain, mountains, valleys, muddy, marshy, anything, I don't think that the first thing they will do is to produce a sedan car. If they did that, that product does not match the purpose. Are you with me? Therefore, the way God has designed you is based on his purpose for you. So quit doing things that other people are doing. Because your purpose is not their purpose. Mission is common to us, but ministry is not common to us. It's tailored individual. Are, are you with me today? This is why I don't copy. This is why sometimes some people say, Pastor, can we do it the same way? I said, no, no, no. We are not doing the way the other church does it because we are not them. We have a different purpose. We are a teaching ministry. I am a teacher. Teachers build, but I cannot build without breaking down the wrong thing that has been built. So anytime I teach, you will notice the first part of my teaching, I am dealing with error. And that is uncomfortable. Right? Am I losing you? Now, I want you to understand what we are uniting around. We are not just uniting around something like, hey, we are sharing food here. We will share food, but that's not why we are here. Are you with me? We are uniting around a mission that says, we speak seasoned as with salt. Speak to preserve our truth. We are not going to allow all the junk that goes out there to continue going on. So we will use the social media and begin to correct some things gradually. Speak with grace. But speak to preserve truth. Are you with me today? All right. And to do that, we must share words of encouragement. If you're going to rebuke somebody, you must encourage them first. All right? Let me put it in another modern term. You cannot go and challenge people until you encourage them. And if you're only friends with those who encourage you, they are not helping you. At some point, they must challenge you to get out of some behavior. Are you with me? We have to have both, not one way. 
The second thing is we need to use it to share prayer. If you need prayer, don't keep to yourself. Get on that forum that belongs to your group and say, people, I think I need prayer on this. You don't need to give them the full details, but give them enough for them to pray. Somebody can come on the forum and volunteer and say, today at 6 p.m., can we all gather and pray for this person? Now, do you know what will happen when you put up a prayer like that? Somebody volunteers, I'm going to lead a prayer meeting at 6 p.m. Because we can't wait for pastor. Because the work does not depend on me. My work is what I am doing right now. To show you how to do ministry and you do it. Then the people gather and they begin to pray. Then there are answers that you are receiving. All of a sudden you begin to understand that you, God does not only answer the prayer of your pastors. But he understands the prayer of every other believer. Are you with me today? So it is not only a place for us to encourage each other, but it's a place to share or to ask for prayer. It is also a place to paste articles or links that serve as extra resource. Please, underline the phrase extra resource. Can we all say that together? Uh, yeah, now, you're not saying it with enough enthusiasm. Come on. And, and say it with a little bit of swag. I know you all like SWAT, right? So let's say we're going to paste, let's say that together, on our social forums, materials that are only meant to serve as extra resource. What I mean is today I've taught a lesson. So if you found an article from a pastor or from anywhere, take your time and read through. Don't just read the first two lines and assume everything else is fine. Because we live in a world where the devil is not interested in getting you to do the wrong thing. No. Satan does not want you to do the wrong. He wants you to do the good thing. <laughs> Are you an advocate for the devil? No. But rather, I want you to see his tricks. You see... The church today preach everything but the kingdom of God. Satan wants us to preach anything but the kingdom of God. So he does not want you to do bad. He wants you to do the good, but the good, that is not what God says you should do. Now, let me ask all of you a question. If you went to a workplace and they define a particular role for you to fulfill, you are a supervisor. Yet you decide that you are not going to be a supervisor, but you are going to do the work of the people who are, you are supposed to supervise, when they start evaluating you, would you make it? Why not? Because you did not fulfill the original in, intended purpose for which you were hired. When purpose is not followed through, everything you are doing may be good, but you are a successful failure. Put the two words together. You are successful in what is not what God wanted you to do. You are successful in the eyes of the world, but before God, you have failed. This is why I have never changed my calling, and I will never change the way I preach, because I must be a successful, successful person. That's my own English. Did you get that? Amen and amen. So please, there's a reason for which I paused. Paste articles that will lift people up. You see... I read an article one time, and the article is about encouragement. But right at the center of it, I could see the devil at work. I think one day I need to do a teaching to show you how to spot stuff like that out. Right in the center of it. Because what it was doing was that it was telling people, when you get in the midst of people, they will help you. It is true. When you get in the midst of people, will they not help you? Will, will people not help you? Sometimes they will, sometimes they will not. But most of the time, you will have one person in there who will be willing to what? Help. Then the person went on and, sh and put everything down. They got into the tail end of it. It said, all the power is in ourselves. And I said, hmm. God is able to do according to. He is able to do according to. Ephesians 3.20. He is able to do according to the power that is at work on the inside of us. Not the power of darkness, but the Holy Spirit. So don't rush to pay stuff. Read through them. Pray through them. You see, when Gifty was 
reading the scripture today to us, how, how did it sound to you? Huh? Good. Just good. To me, it was prophetic. It was like God telling me, I am your personal God, boy. Don't worry about all the others who want to just fuss around you. Be happy. When you, you get a true word of God, it would both challenge you and encourage you. You know how sometimes we all want to hear the encouragement part, but nobody wants to hear the challenging part. For some reason, I don't know, but the unfortunate thing may be for me is that my ministry is not only about encouragement, it's about the challenge. But we'll keep it to Jesus' company. Amen. All right, so the third and final thing that we're going to use social media to do is to help send important messages. Those who of you are filling in, send important messages. Please, the word, operative word here is important. All right? Don't share things just because they look good. Ask yourself, would this turn a life around? Would this meet a need? Speak with grace, meaning your words must be what? Needful, and it has to be spoken at the right time. Maybe what you have may not be needful at the time. Keep it. Don't try to show off you have articles. Keep it to yourself because nobody might need it at the time. Are you with me today? All right, so we want to help send important messages to people. How are we going to do that? Let me just show you that really quick, and then we will close. Three things that we're going to use, all right? The words that you're going to send to people should have at its focus encouragement. You don't have that on your teaching sheet, so you need to write that down. Secondly, there should be words that are sent to teach and train. And so I'll be getting on some of your, your forums, and I'll post things there that are meant to teach you some things. So don't shy away from it. And for those of you who don't belong to any growth group, try and belong to the one online. Are you with me? Maybe because of the time and the nature of your work, you're not able to show up, but we want you to sign up for the ones online because we still want to reach you with God's word. And the third message we want to send is that I want you to acknowledge and affirm people when they are in pain. Amen? Encouragement? Teach and train? Number three, acknowledge people who are in pain and affirm. Let me explain affirm. In other words, share with them God's word. Don't go tell them it will be fine. Sometimes God is taking them through a school, so it won't be fine. You must affirm them the right way. Everybody say this after me. The journey is as important as the destination. I learned this about eight years ago. I was struggling with something. I fasted. I prayed. I did everything. I sowed seed. I did everything that I know there is, but it wasn't going our way. One morning, I felt like, you know what, it looks like maybe God is not going to hear me. And I heard the voice of God clearly. Son, the journey is as important as the destination. Can I explain that to you really quick before we close? See, most of us, the destination is that I want to get the promise fulfilled. But God is interested in how he gets you there. He's going to use the journey to grow you. Before he puts you in the destination. We have a very typical example in the Old Testament. For Israel could have gotten to the promised land in 40 days. But it took 40 years. Why? Because the journey was important to God. To send a message that I God can provide for you. I God can build you up. I God can cause water to come out of. You see God wants you to know who he is. Sometimes reading it from the pages of scripture doesn't make sense. But he takes experiences to work it out in your life. Are you with me today? And when you meet people online, before you affirm them, don't rush. My brother, I'll pray. Tomorrow the anointing will break through. And when the anointing breaks through, everything turns around. And you see, the Bible says when God closes the door, no man can open what makes you think that if Jehovah has closed a door for that individual, you 
plus your own wonderful prayer can open it. This is why you should not be in a rush. They share something with you. Pray seriously about it to know the mind of God before you say something. What I'm saying is when you get online, don't throw stuff in just because you heard it from somebody and they sound good. Because sometimes some of the sound bites are not scripturally balanced. I've told you I'll often make statements here before I make them. You may not like it, but when you start sitting down and searching the scriptures, you come back to it because it took me years. Sometimes I search for one thing over five years before I say it. Are you with me today? So when you go online, I don't know whatever platform you are, don't use the easier one. The easier one is WhatsApp. I'm trying to take some of things out of the equation. I want you to do the hard work, right? Educate people. Tell, tell yourself, no, this person shared this problem. I have fasted and prayed for them on my own for three days. And I sense that this is what God is saying. So I'm going to train this individual to understand that problems are not all that bad. I said problems are not all that bad. In fact, if you read through very carefully all throughout the scriptures, the word crisis is not in God's dictionary. It's part of our vocabulary, but it's not part of his. I don't want to lose you. John chapter 9, verse 4, we are closing. So anytime you post anything online, it must encourage. It must teach or train. And then it must affirm a person who is in pain, who has some trouble, and then you want to acknowledge. Yeah, I see what you're going through, but I want to affirm you in such and such a way. All right, are you with me today? And can I throw something in there? If you read something about somebody online who maybe shared a pain, can you spend a day at least to pray very carefully before you start giving them words back? Can you do that? Come on, I want you to respond, please. Can you do that? Don't be in a rush just to say anything to them. I told you last week, there are people I said stuff to. They got angry. They left this church. After living here for many years, they come back and said, you were right. Because it takes me a while before I say it. All of us want to get saved so we look good. Don't do that. Maybe that's not your ministry. My ministry is to challenge you. Even when I don't look good in your eyes, I will still have to challenge. Amen. Can we all read from the screen, John chapter 9, as we close? Jesus said, all of us must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent me. Because there is a little time left before the night falls. And all work comes to an end. I think that is self-explanatory, correct? Jesus said, the work must be done while it is day. There's little time. See, there are many events going on in our world today that most believers are not paying attention to. How many of you know there's something called the African Union? And they started doing what is called biometrics, right? How many of you know there's a European Union? And they started doing biometrics. The world is gathering itself for the coming of the Antichrist. Have you ever paid attention to the credit card that you hold? The word these are. V in the Roman numeral is five. And then the rest of the ISA. If you took it to the, 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 um, um, the Egyptian numeral, it gives you the inscription of 666. I am not just making you afraid. I'm just reminding you that the systems of this world, the economic systems, the political systems are gathering itself together for the, what needs to happen in the last days. And the church is sitting down fighting over uh, who, who can speak in tongues and who should not speak in tongues. That is unnecessary. Jesus said this to us. It must be quickly what? Carried out. You must begin to redeem people. When you meet them and you know they are going to hell, spend some time and do something about that situation. The only day that is assured to you is right now. The next second is not. Just so you know. And this is why every day when I have an opportunity to stand in the congregation, I would want to declare nothing but his truth because the net moment may not be mine. Are you ready that we will go? And I told you, you don't need to know all the scriptures. Your personal story is enough. 
Once I was blind, but now I can see. Once I was this individual, but today Jesus has changed me. I used to be in the kingdom of darkness, but I've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Once I was a player, but now I live with one woman. Once I was this individual who wanted to just do all kinds of things, but today I hunger and test for righteousness. And they will ask you, who is responsible? He said, here. You see, it is important we talk more about the kingdom than Jesus. I know you don't like that one too. How many of you, when you decide to advertise this church, will advertise the door? Anybody? Hmm? Hey, when you, when you come to Covenant Family, we have very nice doors, man. Red doors. The doors are awesome. How many of you will advertise the door? But Jesus said, I am the door. I am the way. He didn't say anything else. He said, I'm the one pointing you to the kingdom. So advertise the kingdom more than the one we advertise. Yeah, religious folks don't want to take it. But today I'll break that in your mind. The time is short. Tell them that the king who made this earth is coming one day. Are you ready? Shall we stand together? I need the area most gracious Lord. No tender voice like yours. Father, as you have sent me, so I am sending them. He told the disciples in the book of Luke 10, he says, when you go, tell them that the kingdom of God has arrived. When the king is enthroned in your life, then the kingdom is present here on earth. For those of you who are listening to me over YouTube and over the radio and any forms of media, today is your day. That the king is calling on you to come into his kingdom. I ask that you make a decision for him. For the rest of us who are standing here, would you please stretch your hands towards me? As we get ready to close, I want you to have this mindset and understanding that the decision to enter the kingdom of God is yours. Jesus told Nicodemus, except a man is born again, He said, just the same way citizenship of a country is earned by birth, you must be born by the Spirit of God to become part of God's kingdom. Father, I pray for the, these hands that are raised today. We thank you that you have given us a kingdom. Grant us the ability to fulfill our mission. In this kingdom. May your strength come to us. When it's difficult to speak your truth, Lord, give us the strength to do it. When it's difficult to love, give, share your love abroad in our hearts so we can love those who cannot even love themselves. I pray that since the time is short, Lord, may we grasp the urgency of this message and begin to rescue men and women 
children and the young ones, even the youth of our day. Raise musicians who will sing songs to rescue them. Raise preachers who will preach the truth to bring them to Christ. We pray for teachers who will stand in the classroom and besides everything say, we will punch you to the truth. Lord, let it happen. I pray for politicians who will stand up for the real principle that is the truth of God's word, not because of a party, but because of Jehovah. I thank you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Almighty God himself cover and protect you. He make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. That even in this week and the days I heard of you, no matter what you encounter, you will know that you are victorious. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. All right, God bless all of you. We close. Okay.